Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Q Question Tuesday. Bloomberg reports that Bank of America surveyed investors, including fund managers, and found that their biggest concern in the wake of the bank failures is that a systemic credit event posts the biggest threat to global markets. And the most likely source is the U.S. shadow banking, and that is financial institutions without a banking license. The concern is that private equity firms and others loaded up on cheap loans when rates were low without enough oversight. Private credit will be an area of focus this year, one watchdog said, because it's expected to double its assets under management, $2.7 trillion by 2026. BGI partner Global Investment said in a letter to investors, warning signs are developing in what is a completely unregulated segment of the financial markets with substantial amounts of hidden leverage and opaqueness. Private equity funds may prove to be a hidden risk in the system. So... First question is, do you think there are more credit events in the future? And what's your view on U.S. shadow banking? Yes, I actually do think there's more uh, credit events uh, in the future. Um, you know, private equity is a, a sector that really uh, scares me. Uh, we haven't liked it for, for quite some time now. Um, I think that, you know, the, the magic to private equity is that you buy something and you have a longer hold period with illiquidity. So investors are apt uh, to compound greater returns because there's less liquidity, uh, you know, less knee-jerk reaction, and more of a long-term view. So that, that's the positives about it. And that's why, you know, money uh, does get made in that sector and gets compounded, uh, paying the, the PE firms also uh, very large streams of revenue, uh, uh, certainly more than, you know, an RIA firm charges. Uh, they have percentages of deals and whatnot and are able to grow their capital base uh, astronomically. But, you know, pensions, endowments, and whatnot have really uh, warmed up to this because they have viewed it as a stabilizer to the portfolio and taking out the volatility. We have thought differently on this. Uh, I think if you were to mark to market a lot of these credit issues, um, you know, there certainly is uh, more volatility in there um, and less liquidity. And I think that you know, liquidity in environments like this always becomes paramount. Uh, is there a problem with the shadow banking system in the U.S.? I mean, you know, uh, that I'm split on because I, I think when you look at some of these firms, they are incredibly well managed and they have pretty tight loan covenants. Uh, uh, but again, when, when you're raising money and when you're putting uh, monies to work in these private areas, uh, I, I think that you really have to look at the quality of the deals. And what's bothered us is the timing of it all, right? These are deals that were, you know, uh, at the end of the cycle. Uh, when all asset classes were high, uh, you know, uh, firms were getting bought out for EBITDAs that were tremendous, that it really made no sense at times. Uh, real estate prices in certain areas certainly got sky high and didn't make uh, quite some sense. So I think you have to think about, again, what we've talked about uh, over the course of six months now here, know what you own. And uh, I would not be attracted to that. And I would expect to see blowups. Um, as we have for quite some time. I think that's an incredibly elaborate answer. And it makes so much sense when you actually think about it in context, right? The problems that we're seeing within the banking system, which is exactly what you said either last week or the week before, are that these banks that are experiencing problems on the shadow end, and even as a result of some private equity type of holdings that need to be marked to market and kind of aren't marked to market, they are not in the biggest banks. They are in the ones that are allowed to fail, which create larger credit events throughout the course of you know, the economy globally and domestically. So I think that as these problems continue to manifest, and they always seem to manifest in 
the negative type of timeframes that we're sort of in right now, coming off of extremely high valuations, they're likely going to be more and more, unfortunately, until either things sort out or you get a reversal in Fed policy. And with the news this morning that you know OPEC Plus is cutting all of this oil production, that puts the Fed in a very it confines the Fed. They can't do very much if inflation does stay abnormally high. But what's the, how, how is a bank, how is a private equity firm going to upset the entire financial system? How is a couple of firms going to do that? They're not um, linked like banks are with all the um, depositors and everything. Oh, I, I don't think they'll upset the whole financial system. So don't get me wrong on that. I just think that you will see, uh, you know, some uh, private equity firms have tough times with some of their financing, depending on the covenants. Now, again, I, I think that on the whole, they're very well managed and they're looking underneath the engine. What bothers me is the prices of some of these deals and what they were done at, uh, at the top of the market cycle, where we all know that every asset class was certainly elevated. And simultaneously, long-term capital management was a credit blow up that wasn't a bank that obviously impacted the entire system. Now, Things, a lot of things have changed since then, but it wouldn't surprise me if something, you don't know what that counterparty risk entails. You always find out after the fact. Okay. Um, and speaking about the Fed and uh, getting locked in and you know having very limited range of what they can do, the new, um, there's a new governor in the Bank of Japan taking over in a week, and there could be repercussions for the U.S. Treasury market. With Japan interest rates still low, $3.4 trillion has left Japan to find better returns overseas. Japanese investors are the biggest foreign holders of U.S. government bonds and own everything from Brazilian debt to European power stations to bundles of risky loan state sites at Bloomberg. The new BOJ head, Kazuo Ueda, is expected to raise rates, which will bring money back to Japan. The flow reversal of funds is already underway, said Bloomberg. Japanese investors sold a record amount of overseas debt last year as local yields rose on speculation that the Bank of Japan would normalize policy. So do you think the new Bank of Japan chief will spark a sell-off in treasuries? No, I don't necessarily think that the new Bank of Japan chief is the direct cause of any change in holdings uh, of U.S. treasuries that the Bank of Japan has. So the Bank of Japan has been executing and engaged in quantitative easing that far exceeds the scale of U.S.'s QE as a percentage of their total GDP and market cap for a really long time period. And Japan has a terrible demographic pyramid. They have zero commodities and natural resources besides some rare earths within Japan. So realistically, they re Japan has this capital allocation problem in which their government owns literally almost everything right now because of the amount of bond buying and purchases that have been going on through the Bank of Japan for a number of years. And earlier this year, late last year, we saw some turmoil within the Japanese bond market because Japan is trying to cap where their yields actually are to try to make sure that there's some level of robust lending and demand going on throughout their underlying economy, in spite of the fact that inflation around the world is really high. They tried to cap it at a half a percent, I believe, and a couple of times it bounced over that half a percent. So what does the Bank of Japan have to do? They have to buy an incredible amount of Japanese treasuries in order to get those yields lower. 
they probably had to sell U.S. treasuries in order to finance a lot of those purchases. So again, this is pure speculation with regard to how they're managing their own balance sheet. But I would re- I have reason to believe that they're probably selling U.S. treasuries as a liquid asset in order to get the firepower to buy more Japanese debt um, to get those yields down in an appropriate spot. So you know, you're in a very interesting spot where there's a lot of demand for U.S. treasuries coming through U.S. investors, U.S. pension funds now that there's yield. Yeah, I mean, look at our rates. Look at our rates can't get above three and a half percent. You see that, especially in their pension funds, which, you know, the Japanese pension market uh, doesn't have to have, uh, doesn't have to be hedged so they can buy foreign bonds and, you know, without protecting against currency uh, fluctuations. So, and look at where the end up dollar is now, right? So yeah, this this trade is slowly coming undone to Michael's point. Yeah, I think there's a lot of risk in just overall Japan. And it goes through ebbs and flows, positives, negatives, just like everything else. But if there is one country out there with a really high debt to GDP, where ultimately the government kind of owns everything, it's Japan. And this has been they've been engaging in this QE cycle that, you know, is so significantly large relative to their underlying economy that could this ultimately blow up in their faces at some point? It, it, it's possible. It's definitely something to watch intermediate to long-term because the amount of debt that they have and the direct ownership, there's not a, ca- a lot of capital inflows going into their economy because like we said, their 10 years yield a half a percent, whereas most uh, other yields throughout the entire developed world are a lot higher. So it kind of is a little bit of a precarious situation, but I don't think that the change in leadership in the Bank of Japan is going to manifest any material difference because they're kind of locked into their policies right now and they can't realistically change them that easily. So I think this is a really, I don't think that that dynamic is simply because of a new governor. I think it's due to liquidity because like Phil said in question one, you want to maintain as much liquidity as you can. And what's the most liquid dynamic market in the world? It's the U.S. Treasuries. You can adequately sell them whenever you need to get access to capital. Well, that was great. <clears throat> um, thanks a lot, guys. And uh, if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com. We'll be back next week. And we hope you all have a fantastic holiday, no matter what you celebrate. Thanks, guys. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Yep. And happy Ramadan. Yes.